0: Hello and welcome to The Green Network, a podcast that unpacks some of today's most important sustainability issues with insights from the experts.
1: We're three friends who are wild on everything sustainable, so we thought it would be a great idea to record our conversations with these interesting and smart people in the field for you guys to listen to and learn from. My name's Sophie.
0: And my name's Paddy. And our fantastic editor, Lydia, is here as well.
1: Hello. So we really want this podcast to be um, stimulating and inspiring for you and help you unpack what sustainability really means in our day-to-day lives. And we'd love you to be part of the conversation. So please get in touch with us via our Instagram account. Tell us what you think about the conversations we've been having, your thoughts, questions and opinions. We'd love to hear from you.
0: we thought we'd start chatting a bit about insects. And as you may be aware, people are becoming more conscious about the way they eat and understanding a bit more about the health and environmental impacts of certain foods.
1: Completely. I mean, this is the the first question that I think pops up at almost every dinner party or event that I go to. I don't know about you guys, but everyone is really interested in what everyone else is eating and the impact of the food that we eat. And one of the big topics for the future of food is about where we're gonna get a more sustainable form of protein from. And it just sort of turns out that insects uh, are are seen as a potential future source of really healthy and uh, sustainable protein. So we thought we'd start by speaking with one of the UK's leading experts in entomology in the UK. Her name is Dr. Tilly Collins from Imperial College. And we sat down at Tilly's breakfast table crunching through some crickets and asked her whether insects really are the future of a sustainable diet. Shall we tuck into some insects? So we're looking at some, we're looking at some crickets. Smoky
2: barbecue, crunchy roasted crickets. They're quite crumbly. They
1: look, I mean, they look like crickets, they...
2: Yeah, yeah they are certainly, the whole oh. animal, they haven't got the legs on very much. I think the legs have mostly fallen off. Wow. But you yeah. can still clearly see that these are a whole
0: animal. That's quite nice. Yeah. Once
1: you've done it.
0: They're quite... They're not... There's not much weight to them.
1: No, when they're, when they're dried out, though. They... Yeah. As you say, they're so thin, you wouldn't think there is that much to them. Yeah. They must be such an efficient
2: creature. Yeah. They are efficient. They're cold-blooded, so they're not investing a lot in trying to keep their bodies warm. They vary with the environmental temperature. And that's one of the principal reasons that they're so efficient to farm. The The other animals that we tend to eat, like cows and chickens... We tend to only eat a very small part of that. We eat the muscle. Here, we're eating the whole animal. Mm. We're eating everything there is in
1: there. And we get... All the nutrition from that. So what do you think, Tilly? what do you think companies like Eat Grub are trying to are trying to do? what are they why, why are they like coming out with this mission to bring insects to people as a snack food in, in the UK?
2: Well I think some of them have a very strong environmental remit. They're very, very keen on having sustainable foods mm. and they are indeed very much more sustainable to produce that because in part they're very, very efficient, And in part they're small, you can get very, very good production over a small square footage. You can stack them up very easily.
0: Almost like vertical farming.
2: Almost like vertical farming. And a lot of the insects that we are farming, less with the crickets but a lot of the soldier flies, they are absolutely pre-adapted to being at very high densities. Mm. They exist in ephemeral resources at very high density. Cows are not used to being at very high densities in enclosed spaces, but many insects are. There are still questions over the ethics of farming insects, and these are things that we will be in conversation about for some time. But I think it stacks up a lot more comfortably on the ethics scale than battery-farm chickens.
1: Tilly, is one of the challenges we have that if we... As a planet, want to keep eating uh, well. If the planet's becoming wealthier and more and more people are aspiring to um, diets where we eat meat and dairy, that is going to be really unsustainable and difficult for the planet to yes,
2: support. it's going to be it's going to be disastrous.
1: And we can't do it. We absolutely can't do it. It, it will,
2: uh, it will become impossible to sustain in a financial sense it will become impossible to sustain in an ecological sense because we will require so much of the the plant agricultural production to feed the animal agricultural production that people will starve it, it's a very very inefficient system
0: yeah. but, the, but the insects are being used not only for us but as feed for the animals as well oh, right? yes
2: no the insects are going to be brilliant at reprocessing waste. Yeah. At the moment mm. there's a lot of agricultural waste that doesn't mm. really get used and get either gets burnt or composted. actually we can grow insects on that agricultural waste really effectively and turn them into a protein wow. and they also produce frass they produce effectively a compost. so not only is, is there are they a byproduct uh, really well a strong product, but then also their byproduct is really useful because it turns that agricultural waste into a really mm. good compost. So that works very well.
1: The, the insect waste product is in turn useful. Are we going back towards looking at how nature would solve problems? Could insects be a missing loop in and close that kind of ecosystem loop? Yes,
2: No. There? I think insects can certainly help close the loop in a number of situations. Mm. They, they have great potential for closing the loop with urban food waste. At the moment, a lot of food, almost 70% of the agricultural crops we grow, is is lost from the system. Mm. It gets wasted in one way or another. It gets wasted because Mm. people buy wrong. It gets wasted because it gets eaten in storage. It gets wasted because people leave it in the fridge for too long and then throw it away. It gets wasted for a number of reasons. And actually, if we could divert some of the food waste back into being productive by farming insects on it we're beginning to close that loop and yes as you mentioned earlier a lot of the insect farming is then directed at a more natural food for animal production it's a very natural food for farmed salmon
1: yeah Mm.
2: so we know we have huge problems ecologically with farming salmon in semi-wild systems Mm. But actually, we have less problem ecologically if you farm salmon in an enclosed system with running water, feeding them a much more natural diet of farmed insects.
0: So going back to the um, ethics of the insects, um, I've seen that uh, insects, you know, that people people say that insects don't feel pain. Um, and that kind of raises the question about whether vegans would be able to eat insects on, on that ground. Yes, I, th- um, I think it's
2: probably wrong to say that insects don't feel pain. I yeah. think that insects certainly respond to stimuli. If you put an insect on a hot surface, it moves. Mm. I think that they don't feel pain in the same way that we feel pain. Mm. But that to say that they don't feel pain is probably incorrect and that we should apply the highest of ethical standards and the highest consideration of... Insects in the farming of insects, it's it's really it's your choice.
1: Mm.
2: You know, you can get enough protein and you can get enough nutrition from plant material.
1: If we were to eat a sustainable diet in the future in the UK, what would we be not eating and replacing insects with? Is that is that what eat grub and what these companies are thinking that we we supplement we either supplement food we're already eating with insects or we we replace the more carbon intensive foods with insects.
2: I think we replace the more carbon intensive foods with more sustainably produced foods, one of which can be insects. And because they're so good at closing the loop yeah. and in the recycling context and in, in dealing with food waste and dealing with agricultural waste, that's where they have real promise.
1: And so would I, for example, swap my, swap my mince burger, my, my beef burger for an insect burger?
2: I think that meat substitution is an interesting one and I think it's probably wrong to try and frame them as a meat. Yeah. Whereas here we have on the table we also have an orange and red berries eat grub bar. It's mm. a protein bar, yeah. highly nutritious protein bar and that snack market
1: Mm. is
2: really where they're taking
1: off. Do you know what? I've also seen the um, insect powders for muscle gain. I've seen, like, you know the muscle builders? Yeah, Mm. like powders for, you know, insect man, strong exoskeleton man. Protein shake on insects. So you have three sort of broad
2: types of kind of protein powder in the the gym bunny market, for want of a better word. There's plant protein, which is not as nutritionally complete as the insect protein. It has to have additives put into it to mm. make it as nutritionally, nutritionally complete. And then there's the whey protein. And if, if the whey comes from milk products, then that has a huge carbon footprint and a huge ethical footprint. And when, when we think about a steak, mm. there's, it, there's a four-year investment in a steak there's getting the cow pregnant there's looking after the cow and all the carbon output of that cow while she's gestating then there's birthing then there's rearing the calf and rearing it for several years until it's Mm -hmm. at a market weight whereas actually you know a cricket that so you can get that amount of protein in a tiny space with a tiny amount of water, mm-hmm. more nutritionally complete in the space of three
1: months. The thing I'm wondering, and what I'm sure lots of people are wondering is, do you think that insects coming into our diets in snack form is really going to change the habit? Like, are people really going to not want to eat their steak or their sausages? Is it going to really stop us from eating the carbon, the more carbon-heavy things?
2: I, I think that we're reducing the more carbon heavy things mm. for a lot of reasons mm. and that that reduction is happening. The supermarkets are selling less meat and that mm. your prime cuts, your really delicious rare steak, this will not supplant that. But it has potential to step into the, the kind of mystery meat market, the nuggets where you don't actually know what's in them. So you know. Yeah. That kind of thing, you know, the the mysterious chicken stick you get given at a party. It it could just be an insect stick and no one will know. So that snack market has great potential to evolve.
1: You're right, because actually if you're processing crickets into flour and they absorb the flavour of whatever it is you need to, you know, make a chicken nugget out of, how would anyone really know that in in a processed piece of food that that's made of insects versus being made of... Quite probably low quality chicken breast anyway. Yeah, so it, well, yes. breast. Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> scraping. It, 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 it does.
2: It doesn't say chicken muscle. It could well be the you know processed awful <laughs> This is
0: very true. You know, it's like, just the psychology of it though, isn't it? Exactly. As soon as someone's told they're eating insects, they'll turn exactly. their nose up at. I mean, I, I would personally kind of go, oh, not sure about that.
2: And I've run informal trials on this kind of thing in in my evening classes. We take it in terms to supply food. And I've brought chicken sticks, which is not something I would normally buy. And I've seen the difference very clearly Mm. between how people respond to me saying, these are chicken sticks. These are vegetarian versions of of chicken sticks. And, oh, look, these ones are insect. Mm -hmm. Chicken, then most people say yes. Yeah, Vegetarian... Most people say yes. grudgingly. Well, it it depends. It depends. You know, some people say no to chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it's mystery meat. You know, it's absolutely mystery meat. You don't know what this is. It's covered in breadcrumbs. It it could be anything. But if you say it's insect, they they do raise an eyebrow. And you have to add, you have to say, oh, it's delicious. And then they might well taste. They're usually surprised that it tastes absolutely fine. I mean the bitty ones that people tend to get there's something on my tongue, I can feel the bits of my teeth so that surprises them because that kind of food is very unfamiliar. So I mean, is, it, is it
0: almost just a test of time?
2: Yes it's likely to be a test of time the populations in Europe aren't growing a huge extent where populations are really growing are across Africa and prote- insect protein is already acceptable in Africa mm, so in terms of of world food supply, keeping that up is really important. And trying to to contribute to not having a middle class that rejects it will be really important. So the the idea that it's becoming more fashionable in the West is really good because we are the aspirational model to, to many societies. Whether that's a correct thing or not, I don't know, but we are. The branding is improving every step of the way. Yeah. The the efficiency of the farming is improving every step of the way. The you know the, the way the products look, it, it's no longer quite as you know. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of <laughs> here, Jungle Tuckers. <laughs> you know, if you think of them as, as, mm. as, as a nut comparator, they work very well. Yeah. In the in the yeah, they're really
0: similar. Protein actually. flour yeah.
2: crisps. So if you use that to dip in your hummus, delicious. Yeah. So you're getting a nutritionally complete, protein-rich meal by having a superior crisp.
0: <laughs> In addition to the few little insect legs you've got left in your teeth so, <laughs> so how, what yeah. what have you taken away from that conversation
1: I'm still picking them out penny <laughs> um <laughs> that was really fascinating i mean it does genuinely seem like insects are a sustainable viable food source for the future and i didn't realize how many extra health benefits they had mm. so i'm feeling quite excited now about the possibilities what do you think
0: tilly really did make it seem like it was a perfect alternative on paper now i think that that yeah academically and, and on the research side of things it, it's evident that insects are seen as the future of food but whether that whether it works practically and whether it can overcome the perception barriers yes, yeah and the, and the psychological barriers yeah is, is the is the biggest challenge.
1: It seems that so much of it will be in the communication, the positioning of, of how these these new food products are, are presented to people. And so to that end, we were really excited to actually speak with the UK's pioneering insect food brand, which was run by Christine Spleed, founder of Crowbar. This was the UK's first ever insect snack bar. And we caught up with Christine to find out how she went about positioning this product to a whole new group of consumers. Is your belief or is your position that insects kind of have to be a part of, of diet in the future if we want to eat sustainably?
3: Yeah, my mission... And what I thought was really intriguing and interesting was to play a big part in changing people's perception of insects. And how did that go? I think I would say I learned a lot. So the short story is that it was more difficult than I thought. It is relatively easy to make someone taste the cricket flower bar once or even twice, right? So I exhibited at quite a few food fairs, some that had a health angle or a sustainability angle. And I guess, first of all, um, the people who go there are as it is, more likely to be open to new kind of stuff. Even vegetarians, in fact. By far, majority of vegetarians were totally happy to try and they were like, is it even an animal? You know, we don't see it as such. Vegans, way more difficult. Mm. By far, majority of vegans did not want to try. But I think what I really learned is that for the majority of the population to just, not just have that first bite, but to actually want to buy it again and again, without feeling queasy and feeling that it's weird and feeling, you know, why should they? That was incredibly difficult. And that was essentially also my main challenge at the end. It was converting people into repeat buyers, because that's the only way to have a successful food business. And why do you think people weren't coming back? I think you can take one bite of that cricket bar and you can tell yourself it's okay, but there's still this slight uneasiness and queasiness. And I think it just takes way more than trying something once to get rid of that. Adding to that, you know, the cricket flour is still very expensive um, because we needed to get the best quality available. And even though we only added that tiny, tiny bit, like I think adding about 6% cricket flour to a bar adds about 30 to 40% of the cost of that bar, you know, so obviously the whole bar ends up being way more expensive than a similar bar without the cricket flour. So it almost becomes a novelty. Exactly. That's what I felt that people were buying it because it was interesting, something they can talk to their friends about. In
1: a way, if it's the protein. That's the key bit that the insect's bringing to a bar that's got dates and other ingredients in. Mm. Why would someone pick a bar that's got six percent insect protein versus six percent bean protein or uh, lentil-based pulse-based protein? And that was also a challenge I found difficult sometimes to
3: answer um, because then you can you have this argument that um, animal protein has B vitamin 12 and all kinds of other stuff that plant protein might not necessarily, but it's all slightly speculative, and do we really need that? Could we get it from somewhere else? Yeah, I guess this is going slightly off-topic, but I feel a lot has happened in the area of healthy, ethical, vegetable-based protein production over the last few years that has kind of changed the, the, the field of it.
0: Do you think that's because of the rise in vegetarianism veganism, mm-hmm. and veganism? There and there is, in the back of people's minds, especially if you are vegan, the welfare yeah. side of insect production, yeah. they are still seen as animals.
3: yeah. I think it's partly the fact that more and more people are vegetarians and vegans, uh, but I think it's also the fact that many more people are just eating slightly less meat, you know, being flexitarians, whatever you want to call it. But also the fact that because there are more and more food choices that are high protein and fully vegetable based, they don't have that challenge of having to convince people of anything or change mindsets.
0: So, you see, crowbar is not currently on the shelves. Could you go into a bit more detail about why that is and what you think maybe you the biggest challenges were now there are a lot more products so for you back then what why, I mean why was it that they didn't quite make it
3: I feel the brands that are doing best at the moment are the ones that went down the route of selling whole insects so there was a brand that was there before me in UK but they were doing whole roasted crickets and, and mealworms eat grub and they then also launched a bar after I launched but only from judging, you know, on their website and what I see in the shops, I don't think that is where they're making their most money. Um, same with another French company called Jiminy's. Um, they yeah. also stock mainly the the whole ones. Um, so I feel the bars are working in the U.S., and I think that was a massive uh, lesson as well. You know, whatever works in one country is not necessarily going to work in a different country. Right. It's a different kind of person who buys it here. You know, yeah. someone who's seeking that novelty conversation starter. Uh, or just eats it in a different occasion, you know, possibly with a beer as a crisp snack, but not that person that I was targeting, which
1: is someone who um, eats it as an in between snack. Do you ever think we'll move out of the novelty phase with this? I mean, do you think insects do play a genuine role in a future
3: diet? I don't feel the, ma- the market has picked up as such in the UK. So it's interesting that EatGrop is doing well. I know they got. A big round of investment as well they're clearly doing something right at some point I also heard that they are doing events right so they have a chef on board so I think mm. people can hire them to um, provide like um, an insect based dinner experience for friends which again is interesting because that ties into mm. the whole experiential thing that people want so it's a completely different route so I'm not really sure the cricket flower thing will ever work in Europe and UK
0: do you think there's a tipping point almost with these trends that then become mainstream or is this all as just as this just plateaued is it is it never going to quite reach
3: it could be there's a tipping point but i don't know and i feel like so much has happened in terms of you know developing all these other foods that are high in protein and very inoffensive i mean Mm. if you can literally grow beef in a petri dish and you know beyond burgers all that that tastes amazing why would you spend all that time and money to change people's mindsets
1: there's the science, and there's there's lots of very functional reasons why insects make so much sense in a sustainable diet. But I think the reality is, like you said, how do you change behaviour, how do you change mindsets? It's really interesting because mindsets can be changed with one massive event, or even one person can change things. And we've kind of seen that with, like, Greta Thunberg, who's mm-hmm. just overnight kind of changed the whole climate change mm-hmm. conversation. But I wonder... But, but actually, you know, it, old habits are hard and we're very emotionally connected to the food that we eat. So I guess trying to change eating behavior, like you said, requires a lot of very clever branding, perhaps design, but, but who knows? That one thing could come along and overnight just change, change the
3: whole nature of the conversation. From my perspective, having, having felt at that cusp of things changing, they didn't, and they don't have to change. And so much other stuff has happened.
1: In the meantime. What an interesting conversation that was. I feel like we've kind of done a bit of a 180 on thinking that insects are going to take over our our diets in the future, right?
0: Yeah, a bit more of a sceptical view towards the insects being the future of food than Tilly. The kind of other competitors in the field, the other alternatives to more conventional meat, such as corn and um, pea protein and all that sort of thing does maybe to some people seem a bit more um, attractive than mm, insects
1: definitely and to that end we thought it would be really interesting to speak with a brand that's currently still going Christine decided not to take her business forward but we decided to speak with another brand who is actually positioning their product kind of differently to the way Christine thought about doing so
0: that is Neil Whippy, who is the co-founder of Eat Grub. And they're currently on the market in Sainsbury's, in, in fact, hundreds of retailers around the country and in, in Europe.
4: When we started about oh, six years ago now, which is, feels insane, um, but when we first started, it was totally, you know, I'm a celeb, Bush Tucker trial driven, in the, you know, it's, especially in the UK. And, you know... Yeah. All of our initial product testing ideas, everything was around tasty food and sustainability. Which obviously, they say sustainability is a massive buzzword now, so we were kind of quite ahead of that that trend um, on sustainability. Anyway, but um, yeah, like I think up to now, I think the, you know the reason for the novel nature has been around you know price. Really, if a product's too expensive for what it really gives to the consumer as a food product, it's by nature pretty novel um, regardless mm. the first first challenge has been price and then the second challenge is getting people trying it and you know when people try these things for the first time it is novel because no one's tried it before so you're going to get an awful lot of people trying it and not buying it again because you know the simple fact is if you look at any food product on the market it hasn't got 100% penetration. It's not like everyone eats it from time to time. Yeah. You know, 99.9% of food products on the market have a percentage penetration of of, of the consumer market and, you know, insects needs you know, time to develop that, um, that penetration.
0: How
1: do you guys see making that transition? You said that you feel like we're at that tipping point at the moment between, you know, insects being a novelty being that impulse purchase, that I'm going to impress my friends thing. How do you think we're going to make that shift? And what, how do you, do you see us going through the transition now? And if so, how is Eat Grub going to try and sort of shift the messaging or shift the behaviour? Yeah,
4: like look, it's not a, um, a... You know, people always think of the tipping point as this, like, fractional moment in time. And, mm. You know, it's fact, fact is with anything, it's not, it's a gradual, slow movement. And, you know, we're, we're through... In the motion of the tipping point, but you know, it, in terms of it being a standardised product that you'll get everywhere, um, and by everywhere I mean, you know, if, if a product sells in in a local visit village shop, you know, you're talking about full on normalisation, and yeah, that that takes that takes time. Um, but you know, we're certainly partway through that that slow move tipping point, and it's just about, um, I guess, firstly, giving the customer the right um price to value proposition which that's something that we're really passionate about we work really hard on I think you know, if you look at pretty much every other insect brand in the Europe whole of Europe um, perhaps perhaps worldwide you know excluding the Far East of course um, I would say if you look at any westernized brands I don't think anyone's close to us on what we've done for price value proposition and you know we've seen consumers react um, you know, with purchase volume based on that. Um, but there's lots of other things you have to consider when you're looking at products for the consumer market, you have to think about where is it going on shelf? <laughs> and yeah, you know, cool. there is no there's no there's no insect category, is there? <laughs> yeah. So you have to think, you have to think, you know, where's your position? So for us, you know, I think it's pretty clear with the way we pitch the products now where you know we're a sustainable meat snack um and it gives it a place in a category on shelf to strive to to fit in with and, and i guess provide a, a an alternative product for the consumer you now i think from the way we we talk about it now our, our main strap line now is disgustingly good um and you know we we sort of think Do you know what let's play into it we, we realize our customers they're going to buy us um whether it's a, an insect protein bar, or it's a whole cricket snack. Then we more likely to go for the whole cricket snack. So we're sort of leaning into that fun element, yeah, um, yeah. and make it shareable, make it something that people want to talk about. You know, I, we don't mind if we offend the pe- the people who get squeamish because we're saying it's disgustingly good. <laughs> and you know,
1: yeah. if we
4: have to, if we have to convince someone to try the product through a hidden one, you know, like a, an energy bar or. I don't know, a crisp bread or whatever it might be. They're not good. They're not a buyer anyway, are they? You've convinced them to try it. You haven't convinced them to buy it. And, you know, it's a small business, it's a start-up.
0: Who would you say are your competing products? Because there's quite a lot of other meat alternatives out there.
4: I mean, we're not, uh, you know, we're not trying to make an insect burger or anything like that. Sure, no, yeah. we're, not, uh, we're not an alternative protein as in a meat replacement. But we are sitting by pork scratchings. We are sitting by um you know beef jerky the sort of thing that people or, or the nuts you know salty snacks yeah. that people have to deal with we kind of call ourselves a snacking brand now yeah. you know that's where our our mpd is is lying um snacking in the uk is massive you know it's, it's you know in the billions um so, you know it represents an opportunity and you know it's an easy purchase when someone doesn't have to spend over two quid for a, a product you know
1: i really love the what the fact you're talking about um Normalising insects by actually being really honest about what they are you're not trying to sort of stealthily hide them in I think there's this whole category of products called stealth the stealth products which try and pretend to hide um, you know that will they hide the good things in things that are naughty that people actually really want to buy Mm. how do you see the journey you know in the next I suppose five years and onwards
4: we're approaching snacking because everyone snacks it's a massive market and it, it means you can You've got a wider pool to push people, you know, push people through to your brand when you advertise um, and drive conversation and drive awareness. But you know, for instance, if we start like a high protein, high functional energy bar, taking that as an example, okay, look, the protein bar market is massive, yeah. But you're very, you're segregating a demographic of people quite heavily into that, and then you're take and then you're pulling your market from that. Um, so you're you're making your potential smaller, and I think perhaps the area isn't quite developed enough to be able to build a whole business on, uh, you know, making a new niche product. Mm -hmm. If you're a protein bar company and you had lots of other protein bars and you had a cricket protein bar as a portfolio product, it might make sense um, to activate some of your audience, like a loyal audience, but building something from scratch right now like that, it's a small market. Um, So, I, I think really it's about driving awareness and, you know, for us we drive awareness through, you know, partnerships where we're really good at that. Cause we've, you know, actually our business was hinged on really partnerships. Um, you know, we've worked with Chang beer, the economist, mm. uh, so working with Chiquito, I've worked with avocado. Um, I'm forgetting some here, but, um, you know, it's quite a long list of, you know, publicly listed companies. and you know, these companies have a lot of trust with their consumers. Um, customers, shareholders, and when they're talking about you with them, it kind of does a lot of advertising for you, and it, it provides a bit of a safety net for a consumer who's trying a product off the back of it because you know, while well, they're selling it; it must be okay.
1: I suppose we're really interested in, like, how do you see the future of insects sitting within people's diets?
4: Um, well, I mean, look, I guess, like, you know, when we did the plan for the business, we've always seen it as uh, an insectary ingredient, so like anything else. You know how do you use nuts literally in everything, right? Yeah you can put you'll have them as a snack. You'll you just prepare them in different ways. They're just a, a, yeah. an ingredient. that's it. So they just by their natural essence, they can be used in anything. It's just how the user uses it. and that takes time to develop and that's up to you know brands like us to offer ideas on what to do with it. So you now that's why we have recipes online. that's why we sell the product in different formats. you know we have the ingredients, we have the bars, we have the powder. Um, and then the you know our, our ready to eat um, whole snacks, which is, you know that's our flagship line. That's what we really care about pushing. So yeah, it's it's just an ingredient, and nothing to be scared of, that can be used in any any way, shape, or form.
0: Do you have any examples of recipes?
4: Yeah, I mean, for you know, for people who are, are curious and want, uh, I guess, a protein-infused product, we do. Um, we've got like a cricket flour brownie, um, which is obviously quite an easy one um and then for instance there's other more complex well, complex things so um you know you can make a grasshopper and a stir fry mm. um we've got some great mm. recipe videos actually now called like there's one for mealworm shakshuka um we've got cricket we flower banana pancakes
1: wow um, I the, love it. so we've
4: actually got video series that are slowly sort of popping up online so if you check out our recipe pages oh, yeah. on the website um you'll see some quick easy how-tos but there's lots of Lots of ideas. You've got like a baked cricket, a mushroom nut loaf. Um, Yeah, like... They sound all brilliant.
1: (laughs) 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 Pani and I genuinely smiling at each other. Yeah.
4: Give give them all a
0: go, yeah. (laughs)
1: So there we have it. We've spoken with three different experts on the future of insects in our diet. And we would now love to hear from you guys. What do you think insects are going to be in the future for us? Are we going to be eating them or are we still going to be trying to kill them with pesticides? So Paddy, what do you think?
0: I think I think overall, I think insects definitely have a part to play in our in the future of our our food that we will we might be seeing them on on dinner plates soon. There's obviously lots of ways you can go about eating insects and Yeah they might not be the staple diet which is the case for a lot of places around the world yeah. but there could be uh, a side a side dish or an accompaniment to your beer
1: they might not be slithering around on the plate but no. yeah i agree i think we're in a period of time where it's kind of anyone's game the future of food everyone is talking about what it means to them uh, we're in a real period of flux i think anything's possible so let us know what you think see you next time